0: Hey, welcome to the cast. My name is Sam, and I host this conversation with Pastor Mike. We're talking about things that we feel are important and meaningful and impact our lives. And if you'd like to get in on this conversation, if you want to send us your questions, your feedback, your comments, we welcome that. Just remember that the views and opinions expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not necessarily reflect the views of our church. With that said, enjoy! Thank you. Mike. How are you doing this evening?
1: I am good. The wraps are up by eight. Hmm. So right now, so as we record, I'm good. I'm they good. win this game. What does win that this mean? this game. That means they tie up the series two two. Hmm. So this is uh, recording during Game Four. Um, although I'm a avid fan and follow it a lot, I don't own you know my own. Um, well, basically, I don't have cable, so. Um, if you want to go watch the game, I got to go somewhere else. Does someone want to, like,
0: share their password with Mike? <laughs> Let's make this happen. Mike's had some people uh, say no to him recently. Hey, I
1: didn't even ask. Don't even put that out there.
0: Um, <laughs> hey, you never know who might respond. And Yeah, I'm generous. good. Today's been good. I'm tired. Long
1: day, 9 o'clock right now.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty tired, too. I actually just played hockey tonight. And um, if anyone doesn't really know about my history with hockey, basically, I never played it as a kid. But I got into hockey... Um as a uh high schooler in like grade twelve, um we had like a playoff pool in my math class and that kind of just got me hooked on hockey. So I've been cheering for the Habs ever since very passionately.
1: There was a couple years there. Yeah, a couple years. There
0: was and I, I think the I think the bright days are ahead of us. That's what every fan says. Yeah, well, we've got some some young talent coming through. Um But anyway, so I I didn't play hockey until I went to England, actually, on exchange at the University of Leeds. Um, And the way sports works in England is basically you just join it like it's a school club, pretty much. There's not really like a – there is varsity, I think, on some level, but hockey wasn't run that way. It was more just like a club you joined, and you would play against other schools. Um, And – There were like different divisions for different skill levels. So this was actually the first year that Leeds University had run a nice hockey club. So we were in a very low tier. So we were playing against very low competition, which was perfect for me to learn. There were some good players on my team, so I could like you know, get good passes from them. I even scored a goal one time. Um, But it was just a great environment to learn to play hockey in. So when I came back to Canada, I was kind of scared that I wouldn't be able to play against uh, easy competition like that, um, you know, at my skill level. But fortunately, that's not true. Because um, as an alumni of U Waterloo, I'm able to actually play intramural hockey there. And I can play in the casual division. So it's a lot of people that Don't want to take it super seriously. Uh, Just want to kind of have fun. Maybe they've just started playing like me. And so I play that pretty much every semester. Um, But this semester, it's the summertime, so less people are around. So there actually wasn't enough players to put to make separate divisions. So we're all the skill levels are all playing in the same division right now. And, um, yeah, so there's guys that played, like, triple-A hockey on my team and that I'm playing against. So I'm kind of in over my head a little bit.
1: Hey, you don't grow if you stay comfortable. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Like, it it is good on some level because I have to skate harder, have to raise my game a little bit, you know, try and be more smart positionally, um, play better defense. So it is good. It is fun. It's fast-paced.
1: So So much life lessons buried in there, Sam.
0: Yeah, and I'm probably getting a way better workout. Probably. Yeah. Mhm. You play basketball, Mike. Do you think like do you think you would be um not stewarding your body well if you weren't like being somewhat active?
1: I wrestle with that a lot. Yeah. Yep. Cuz the answer is yes. Um I used to work out way more than I do currently, and I blame my kids, <laughs> which is horrible. Uh but yeah, I play ball every week. Um and I feel like if I didn't, it's not only for me actually. It's not just physical it's very mental right just to go and yeah kind of have an outlet for that and you know play some sports and it's just pick up right community ball so mm-hmm. nothing like crazy and i just get to be sometimes too careless <laughs> with the basketball um especially coming out of high school and i played ball it was very serious and my coach was very intense yeah um i appreciated him mm-hmm. mr washington he definitely there's some personal growth that happened yeah, if you ever listening to this mr washington Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I like doing it and I think it's important. I do. Um as a well, like we've talked about, you know, just you know, in our conversations on about how, you know, we are. Um and it's sort of weirdly, you know, ethereal as this might sound, but like we are physical beings and our bodies matter to Jesus and our bodies matter to or even our spiritual discipline, right? Like we mm. act out the kingdom through our body and through its ability to, to do some things. And so, you know, uh, making sure that we are taking care of what God's given us. like, I don't really like quoting when it comes to working out, like your body is a temple kind of thing. Yeah. Um, only because like the context of that is a little more communal. And, um, even when Paul, you know, applies it in in a sexual way right like Mm -hmm. that you know we have to be careful what we unite our body with and um so there is an element of being aware of the body you know in our spirituality in a very heightened sense i just think it's more about stewardship At the end of the day i've been given this and you know for the time being essentially right like if i want to be able to actually impact in the way that i feel called to impact Mm -hmm. right i got to be alive and healthy to do that yeah so you don't believe in self-flagellation um, as a form of disciplining the body? No, I do not. <laughs> that that is popular in some, you know, certain, you know, sections of, of of faith. Um, I think it's I think it's a very, uh, um, a very a twisted understanding of physical discipline in the sense of spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was reading a book lately. I think we, we've talked about it. Spiritual disciplines by Dallas Willard. Where he actually deals with this and how that's kind of like a a false expression of, you know, discipline in the body. It, yeah. It's a very punitive, um, not, to be honest, all that redemptive, I think, work of spiritual discipline. Yeah, it's not super helpful, I don't um, think. And so, no, for me, it's more about just stewardship and like, and because, and this is gonna sound kind of just, not even that spiritual, but it's hard. Yeah. Right, and making myself do hard things and be committed, be disciplined, make better choices. Like, it's just, it, it, I find that, I found in my life, and I'm only 28, so, you know, in my the few short years I've been alive, um, that when I am being disciplined, especially with working out, I tend to be more disciplined in every area, because I have yeah. to plan for it, I have to mm. think about it, I have to spend time doing it, that it forces other things to sort of fall in line, because, you know... Um, You've been in my house. I don't have a lot of space to work out here, so I actually have to go to mm, a gym, Yeah, right? And, and so having to plan, you know, I need an hour, you know, 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back, you know, half an hour workout, if it's four or five minute workout, whatever, right? And and so when I'm not doing it, I can definitely can feel how it affects every other part of my life. Um, I think I'm like less uh, calibrated mentally when I'm not
0: playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I'm playing hockey even just like once a week, I, I think that does make a big difference.
1: Yeah. I do like I joke and I call it soul work. Yeah. But it like, really is like it is isn't a place where I can just be, you know, a little more aggressive than maybe I should yeah. be. You know, I like, have a little more fun, you know, and, and because like for me playing basketball is fun. It's not mm-hmm. just working out. It's fun. And the guys there, we've been playing for a couple of years now together. Um, They never, I always invite them to church, but man, these guys, if you're, if you ever listened to this and you play ball with me? You're coming to church, Adam. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of Calling surprised. you out, I Alan, feel like
0: it'd be super cool to like, oh, this like young guy that I play b-ball b- with. Like,
1: well, it's. I think it's the whole thing of church, church, right? Like, Well, we, we all talk about it. They all know. And so they asked me how church is going, yeah. right? And that's kind of my in. I kind of like just let them know how I'm feeling about it, what's good. Yeah. I try to keep it very positive, obviously, because there's always things that like I don't like about it. But I'm not going to be like, yeah, church sucks right now, <laughs> right? It's not just going to happen. But yeah. no, so it's, so it's a place for me to run into with people who, you know, aren't Christian as well, so it's like a full kind of like life principle for me um, of being in a place where my body, mind, soul are being fed in a different way, engaging with people, because it's actually been interesting um, as a way of mission, because, um, you know, being able to invite people to Easter and to invite them to church and talk about it has been in of itself a good thing. Mm-hmm. But um, getting to hear how people deal with issues, right, so I, uh, one of my buddies is really sick, um, and so... How does he deal with that from his perspective? He's got a daughter, you know, and having to kind of, you know, offer my bits of information or wisdom or whatever that I can share with him from a different perspective or Mm -hmm. hearing, you know, how guy's process work. And you just, you get to hear the different perspectives. I think it's actually very helpful as a pastor, especially to be in spaces where people like aren't Christian, aren't thinking the way I'm thinking. But we have, to have, we, but we have fun together. The point of yeah. it is not necessarily to have this deep theological conversation the 10 minutes in a locker room. It's, yeah. Right. I used to think like that. That's the thing. I used to try to always have these like deep conversations after we play basketball. And I've stopped because, number one, the guys have to rush off to work, so they're not really even thinking about it. Number two, they're dead tired from playing basketball because we're all like, you know, has and wannabes and none of us are like a few of, a few of the younger guys that are coming out are really awesome and by younger i mean younger than me because i would be considered a younger guy there but um and so i just realized that they weren't fully engaging and the guys that would only want to do it because it's another battle it's, an, it's another argument like the guy was trying to like convince me that like only on like it's classic like jesus versus paul but he was so convinced that like all the paul's letters were just not fake but Ill- Ill- illegitimate yeah, and so yeah. i'm like i'm like i'm not gonna have this conversation because like i don't have an hour to explain this for you to even engage with me and but so now it's more of just like trying to be more relational and just on in the fly with them and yeah um so it's it's it helps on every area of my life really so body mind soul all of it um but i definitely like i prioritize basketball don't prioritize working out as much as i should but yeah basketball for sure
0: i mean to be honest anything you're doing physically is just going to help you uh It's going to help your endurance on Sunday morning when you got to move stuff around and
1: set things up. Hey, I don't even need to work out, like, in the weekend, man, because... That's true, yeah. Sunday, like, I got, like, my Apple Watch. I know pastors spend money, whatever. Um, We can talk (laughs) about that later. Yeah. Um, But when I get to track, like, my calories and, like, exercise and everything, how much steps I take on, like, a Sunday morning, like, I don't even need to work out. It's just, like, just for the whole week, I just put it in on Sunday morning, setting setting up church. And tear down, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, guys. If you want like a free workout, yeah, it's good for your health and your soul. 7:45. Yeah, I think it might
0: be the best combination of health. And I'm just soul. saying, you yeah, get community,
1: right you yeah. get. Eventually, you know, around 9:15, there's coffee, you yeah. know, and you get a workout, man. Just saying, do it the body. Come on, the mind, serve. Yeah, do it to the soul.
0: I, I know we talked about preachers and sneakers and um, celebrity pastors and all that a few weeks ago. And I think I just have some unfinished business to return to there. There are just some, I think some thoughts that I maybe put together after we had that conversation mm-hmm. a, a little bit better. And I, I just feel like I'm more, I'm more sure of why all of that bothers me now.
1: Was there something that like percolated this?
0: Yeah, there was actually. So and interestingly enough, it wasn't a pastor. So this past week, the self-help guru, Tony Robbins, was found to have um, verbally harassed abuse victims that went to attend um, one of his, I think, private lectures or seminars and um, also had you know, inappropriate, like, sexual misconduct as well. And of all the, like, Me Too cases that have come out that have been publicized in the media, this one, I think, struck a nerve with me um, the most. Just because... So I don't even necessarily want to come against self-help in general. Just, like, the idea of ideas that can help transform my life for the better. But Tony Robbins is a celebrity figure who communicates these self-help ideas. And it's it's actually like less about the ideas that he's selling you and more about the person who's communicating the ideas. Like he charges to be like one of his premium members, it's like $85,000 a year to be like, you know, in this elite VIP group that gets to go to all these events with him and stuff. Like it's wild and it's crazy cuz he's almost like a pastor at that level just that he's charging way more money um except that um pastors i think do benefit sometimes the celebrity pastors benefit in a similar way so they don't it's true that they don't get paid by their churches like millions of dollars necessarily i don't i mean there might be some where that happens not that i'm really aware of i don't know any personally that make that much um but a lot of them and this was like kind of justified this is sort of what people would come back with on the preachers and sneakers account oh they made that money through other ways like album sales or book sales or conference speaking appearances but my question then is like how did they get to that level of fame where people are giving them this much money to buy their book to attend them their conference to go see them speak etc cetera, etc cetera? it's like they used their church as a springboard into a greater level of fame And that's what doesn't sit right with me, I think. So regardless of whether, you know, they bought the shoes or the stuff or if it was given to them, it was their celebrity status that allowed them to obtain it. And the origin of that celebrity status was their churches. And that's, that is the bottom, like I don't, there is no biblical basis for that being okay. Like the most well-known the most celebrated apostles and you know early saints did not uh, weren't famous and rich, but we've found loopholes to make that okay, and that's what doesn't sit right with me. Because to me, like the office of pastor, and this maybe yeah, it just gets into a convent conversation about what the office of pastor is for. Like, it's relational. It's communicating, you know, the word of God in a clear, articulate way. Like. That's maybe that's what a preacher does, but that is what pastors are expected to do. And, you know, really just be the shepherd of a, of a church, not to be a self-help guru, like some pastors actually sort of end up being, not to be a conference speaker that makes a lot of money off book sales, etc. Like, it's not in the job description of a pastor, but that is what the office of pastor has allowed a lot of these people to do.
1: I would say a couple of things in response to that Um, both in agreement and maybe nuance. Mm -hmm. I do agree that like the hyper status and power that can be amassed through the church um, seems to never go well historically, just purely on church history precedent right alone. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get a bunch of spiritual authorities with, Too much centralized power, you would call it. Um, There is a history of our church where that does not end in a blessed state. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I don't have to go too far back into church history to see that. But I would say, though, you are making some pretty big statements on what you think a pastor is and is not. Yeah. Right. Uh, Because. For example, where Paul talks about in Timothy that the preacher should get double honor, right? And a lot of people believe that means double the pay, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or the fact that many of the early church fathers, right, were actually famous thinkers, philosophers, orators um, outside the church, in culture, trying to influence culture. In a lot of cases, because they were apologists making defenses for the faith. Right. um, And so it's not like every pastor was, but usually it was bishops of cities, right, that would get well known. And, you know, um, even to the point where like if a, you know, I've been reading some church history where, you know, a Caesar would you know put down a decree and the bishop would flee. So because he's like the one guy they all know is definitely the Christian or whatever, right? Yeah. And so the idea of fame in church mm-hmm. leadership is not necessarily um, incongruent. Okay. Right? Because Jesus, mm-hmm. the Bible says a lot, he, he gathered a crowd, mm-hmm. right? The original Messiah, right? The, the OG, the OM. Whatever, Right. Yep. And so the issue is not crowd bearing. Right. Yep. The issue is loving the crowd. The issue is yes. um, a heart thing that it's hard for us to actually, um, you know, to actually really grasp because you could argue, right, that Paul was an ancient conference speaker. Sure. Traveling around, different churches and venues, Mm -hmm. encouraging the local pastors, right? I think there is a tension, though, and I would agree with you on this one, that if you are going to pursue local church ministry, and you do it well, right? Then the invitations to come speak start rolling in or whatever, right? You do need to make a choice. Am I a local church pastor? Or do I feel like I have a ministry that's more capital C church directed? I think that's where things get confusing a little bit. Okay. It's, it's like you become like a resident itinerant preacher. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you come back to your little flock and you like do some leadership training, then you go off again. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is potentially, um, potentially a, a misconstruing of a local church pastor. Um, because I think there's a temptation there right if yeah. you're called to be a pastor in the in the in in that local sense right um, then you do have responsibility to shepherd the flock right that's you know Peter talks about that and um, and we need to do our job you know to do that um, and it's hard to do that when you're never there when yeah. you're feeling the tension of because I've done you know conventions and youth conferences and things and it's so much more fun yeah right it oh, is right it. Yeah. it's um you bring your best material mm-hmm. right your best jokes right yeah. and when you're me you got like four so you just use them and the right? kids would love the that. kids would yeah. love them right you get the whatever and then because usually like people respond to you a little more because there is this kind of like oh it's the special speaker yeah right and you feel a little special you get the you get treatment you get to eat before everybody sometimes so you get the special table whatever right all those little dumb perks are stupid but you know you enjoy them and like Like you know no one's like you know and then i were kind of joking about this like like we don't expect because we've been other churches where like people like running around you know hey pastor what kind of coffee do you want right Mm -hmm. and it's nice i've had it happen to me it's great but like i don't expect that at anyone in our church right like because i'm i'm one of us in a sense i think that's where the tension can come where it's almost like you know it's almost it's almost like a if you get big enough where it's like it's a it's almost like a an event for the lead pastor to speak locally, then I think there's an issue a little bit with that. Yeah, right. And that's where I would say you and I were different. That I don't think it's outside the realm of ministry, but I think it might be outside the realm of local church pastor.
0: Okay, I'm willing to be wrong on this. I think really more what I'm getting at is the idea that I am personally materially benefiting from my fame, like above and beyond just like what what that exposure and that mm-hmm. platform
1: is doing for the church like i get a little bit of benefit for myself like well and this is a conversation that people even in our yeah. church it's funny like um shout out zach or he'll talk about this every so often like because of the kind of celebrity culture of church yeah the idea of like intellectual property right like if i preach a bunch of sermons as an employee of you know well c3kw C3, KW, right yeah. um and then i go make a book out of it is that the intellectual property of the company I work for? Because I was doing my job for the company or mine? Yeah. Right? And um, and I know some pastors who probably in their contracts have said, like, any sermon I preach is mine, mm. and then they go write their book, sell their book, make money, right? So yeah. you get, there is that time of, like, I'm only able to sell these things because I have. And, and to be honest, even if you did that, like, how, if I were to ever write a book, right, it's going to come out of my preaching because it's how I'm thinking. It's what I'm processing. So whether it's direct, like here is my eight weeks. Like, like I could go and take my vapor series, right. Whatever it was, 12 weeks, right. Through Ecclesiastes and write a book on Ecclesiastes. Right. Um, Which would be fun. Right. But then who's, who who benefits after that? Yeah. Right. And that is a, I think that's a, is an interesting kind of conversation when it comes to like, you know, the benefit of a pastor, in a modern world of you know Instagram and you know celebrityness, that there can be kind of a uh, a use of the church in that sense. The church becomes a platform. Um, yeah, cause how about this? Like I'm just
0: looking at the preachers and sneakers account right now, and I'm looking at Judah Smith's nine hundred and eighty dollar Gucci pants, and uh, I want those pants. So a way I could go get those pants is become as gifted a preacher as judah smith and start a successful ministry and make some friends with some celebrities and get those pants that is a it is there's but a path
1: to get them there also is like and this is where we, we will have to be careful right and i'm like i don't and know that's you know. not a hard work that you just put out in two sentences it is for right? sure like, it especially is. because his dad started it right, over 30 years and he inherited yeah, it and all this sure. different stuff and yeah you know and and there is some labor that is done and mm. again like and we're going to be real right like being a creative marketer and leader right is a modern day you know um what is 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 a marketable talent right in the church of the modern world right if you're if you're a brand ambassador if you know how to present well and and again like and that's where it's hard to where i would sort of say you know we we can make the we can make it like that yeah i can just go do it. but like the thing is he does he as a communicator right he is excellent yeah and he's honed that craft he knows that skill and so it becomes down to conversation a little bit, right? The crossover of like, and this is, you know, we don't need to go here tonight, but like the crossover of like economic systems and value for skills and I, that's how the that affects thing. the thing. I think I'm and, just
0: less and right? less convinced as time goes on of capitalism's ability to properly evaluate the value that someone is putting out into the world.
1: Well, yeah, and that's what they would say. Well, the market says it's viable, so that's why it is, right? And Yeah. Well, and there is that issue with it, especially when it crosses with church, because, again, why is it that, you know, a certain brand of preaching, right, a certain kind of church gets certain influences? And, again, you can study the market, and usually it is younger, charismatic, and I mean both personality and theology, um, tech-driven, you know, instagram savvy guys Mm -hmm. um arguably a little more prosperity side of things it is just crazy how much the parallels between
0: a lot of what i see of that kind of preaching and the tony robbins of the world like the The, self-help guru kind of thing so i I see why it's so marketable
1: it is right And, and this is where this is where you get to kind of like the theological wars in the church right people saying you know that some of these guys are, yeah, like sort of what you said a little bit too self-helpy, too grace-only. You know, they need to push back. Well, all those guys are just so judgmental and, mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's it's because on both sides of it, right? Like the way, like whenever there is success by any standard, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be those who champion and those who criticize it. Yeah, right. But then when it comes to church, what does success mean, mm-hmm. right? Because if you go to the market, I made more profit than you. Mm-hmm. My product does better on these four tests, yeah, right? Well, yes. how, how do you... If we're simply weighing the fact that my online campus gets a million hits and yours gets 100,000, well, then am I better? Or did I just have a message that hit? Or what, if, what, what is the content? Because now for the Christian, it's not just effectiveness, it's fruitfulness, but it's also faithfulness, and so I think it gets a little more complex. We just then, have to wait and see how many names your church right? has <laughs> written into the <laughs> book of life, right, and <laughs> right? We will get the metric one day, yeah. but it's not right now, and I think then you get comparison, right? You get Instagram, right? Like, 25 years ago, like, you you didn't bear, like, from what I've heard, I was not planning a church twenty-five years ago. Years old, yeah. I was three years old, like, you know, my dad did not struggle with this, Mm. right, the constant comparison of churches, yeah. right, like, I remember growing up in, like, in some smaller towns, but even some bigger ones, like, you know, there's this kind of church, and this kind of church, and you're the pastor of that church, and we all kind of get along, but, like, now it's, you know, church has become, which I think is also a good thing, so this is where it kind of goes weird, but I think church has become so accessible mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, the excellence of church that, at the end of the day, like, if you're coming to our church, um, because you think you're going to get the best preaching, that's fail. Because you can go on YouTube right now and get every world class speaker you could desire. Yeah. Right. If you're coming to our church for the worship, fail. You can go on YouTube right now. Go. You. You could. You could curate. I know. Jo- I know. John Chris did kind of like a joke on this, but like you could curate you know, open up with this Bethel song that just, like, just hits you. Mm -hmm. Move into some Hillsong in the next, like, literally create a YouTube playlist, even Spotify, right, whatever you want to go on, and just, like, experience it all. Because even some churches now, like, the way that they're multiplying is they broadcast the whole service from worship to preaching, right, and try to create this interactive, whatever, experience, right? So you literally could create that. Like, you could do that. And so churches have Mm. to move beyond product into community. So I think it's also a good thing, but this is... We're coming to that, and and so I I would just I don't know I would I would I would not say mm-hmm. that it is wrong for a local church pastor to, in the course of their ministry, yeah. recognize oh wait maybe my scope is a little bit larger sure and then to bless the church right yeah. the issue for me kind of hits in like having hands in every single pot it's like i'm gonna get paid by my local church Mm. to be the lead pastor yeah and then preach 15 times a year because i'm traveling and doing all this and then get my money through that so i'm not you know i'm not making all my money from the church but it's like i feel like i feel there's i don't know what the line is i'm not gonna say there is because i'm gonna try to let christian liberty be christian liberty but you know I think there is a tension there where it's like where is the calling and just own it like I don't think like I don't think we should stigmatize necessarily the conference speaker because no think I, value, I don't want right? to like I actually really like attending conferences right because so, I think there's a value to that but I do think that there is a tension between the modern because because or maybe maybe this is what I'm feeling maybe I'll put it out like this so, like is the goal of and and this is going to be so kind of like cynical So I don't want to make it cynical. And obviously, I don't believe anyone would ever say this out loud. So it's kind of like a heart motivation. But it's the goal of growing your church to get invited to a conference. Mm, Right? Because I feel like there there has been that underlying tension. Yeah, I think like little
0: bits, I think that temptation can always be there. But
1: I, I think in a lot of modern pastors, it's bigger than we talk about yeah um or we or we spiritualize that desire to have an apostolic and I, yeah i just to, think it's very easy whatever, to right? rationalize it and that because way, yeah. of the modern world because of instagram because of the opportunity right mm-hmm. and you see it right like every one of these guys on like if you just you know tackle the preachers sneakers right has either had, and again, I'm not, and I'm. This is nothing to say, but their actual leadership ability. Right? I've
0: heard like most of these guys are like phenomenal people, and just yeah, like they, to, to be around. able to lead at that level. Regardless, yeah.
1: you have to have skill in leadership, yeah. develop coaching, humility at some level. Like yeah. now, we're f- seeing a lot of these the ne- the generation above them, mm-hmm. right? The Driscolls, the James McDonald's. McDonald, McDonald, yeah. Bill Hybels. Those guys are, you, know are now falling, mm-hmm. you know, so fast around us that. You know, maybe there's that generational like learning that we can have and prevent some I of hope that so, stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's just like, you know, because, again, to lead at that level is, is pressure. It's crazy. Yeah. It's next. And, and like mm. we can imagine, like I don't, like I think Driscoll, Mark Driscoll, and his church was, went right before, was like 17,000 people. Like I can imagine that. Like, because yeah. I like 100 that we have right now is a good challenge just to get the systems right yeah, for that. It sure right? Is, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, and that's part of my, personal gifting, set like i'm not an ministry i'm not like my spiritual gifting you know i have to work hard to be a good leader right, right it's yeah. not my natural gifting or my spiritual gift i tend to be a, you know a dominating personality hmm. i tend to you know be opinionated um <laughs> and like speaking so that's why i get to, to be the preacher a little bit and i have some intuition but i recognize that like even for the desire for our church right we, we want to be a church that plants other churches that always kind of like grows wide but it goes deep communities. I know that sounds like every church, but like mm-hmm. even this morning when we were having breakfast, sort of explain the model that I want to see. Yeah. Right. It's, it's very decentralized on purpose. Right. Part of it's because straight up, like I don't like, I'm, I'm not that good of a leader. Right. Okay, and yeah. the best decisions I've made have been getting, you know, Megan <laughs> to sort of step into the executive place, having an ops team like you guys right? and just like not having to put my hand in things because I'm, I kind of suck at them. Right. Yeah um and, and so just recognizing that you know i and i had to deal and this can okay, this go full circle like the reason i'm saying all this is like i just recognize that my leadership is not there and so i can't even really imagine what it's like to be in that space mm-hmm. but i remember being like 21 i think we've talked about this before maybe um i mean 21 22 and being like i just i just really want to be influential for jesus yes, yeah, yeah, right i've yeah. meant and what that meant yeah was I wanted to be famous, well-liked, invited to things, sit with the prime ministers, like the old school Christian leaders you got, got to do. (laughs) Like my great uncle David Maynes got to do, and like, why not, right? It's for Jesus. But what it was, it was me. Like I wanted that platform. Do you know that Billy Graham was like really in favor of Vietnam? Sure, I. If we want to go there, I haven't. Just speaking of like pastors who spoke to presidents, right? Like it's just like we don't and, know how that turned out, <laughs> and and we want and we want that because like especially now where, like and I don't know like i do not know my history, right? But I would say like for like our generation, like we don't really hear about Jonathan Edwards, we we, we don't really hear about you know DL Moody and those guys mm-hmm. who were pretty big back in the day, right? We know Spurgeon because he's pretty pretty famous in history, yeah. but like. Billy Graham, everyone knows Billy yeah. Graham the Church World. Everyone knows him, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter what denomination. Doesn't matter. Like you he's know the OG him, man, right? He kind of like, in a sense of the evangelical movement, yeah. right? Was literally the yeah. the OG on that one. And so you have this kind of model of crusade, and the guys like Greg Laurie, you know, who kept that crusade model and now have huge ministries and huge churches, and you know, and it's like you you know it's possible. Mm-hmm. The issue is, ten years ago when all this was sort of becoming a new thing, Instagram, all like Instagram didn't even exist 10 years ago, but you know, yeah, the yeah. online version of church, right? Could I have done it and been pure in my heart? No, 100% not. I can say that, right? Um, and God has beat it out of me, right? Small church, hard churches, church planning, right? Like all the different lessons that our church even even the last two years, almost, well, 18 months have gone through, right? That's like, I recognize that I wanted the wrong thing right and so which is actually it's interesting to me and this is not really I think where we intended the conversation to go but it's fine like it, it really is so much more joyful right to do ministry when you're not when you're not thinking about that stuff yeah right like it, like when I can legitimately say it's not for me I am actually so much more free and I feel like even more powerful in my preaching because it's, cause it's like, I'm not I'm not doing this for anyone except for those sitting in this pew or bench, whatever we have, um, chair one day, who knows, right? Because I remember like when I was younger and this, again, this is all anecdotal. So I don't, I don't know these guys, but like, I remember um, hating my sermons when I started because I could tell, and knew it, but I never wanted to admit it. Like I was preaching, like when I was younger, it's like 22, 23. Um, I was preaching for YouTube, basically. I was preaching for that if someone might just hear this sermon and really get, you know, like yeah. it or whatever. And yeah. and the problem was I kept getting people come and saying, like, I heard your message online, so we come to check out the church, right? Yeah. So it just feeds this cycle of, like, oh, wow, right? And so I'd be preaching messages that, like, I would argue were still good theological messages, but weren't for the church. They weren't for my people. They weren't for the shepherding of the flock. They were for shepherding my people platform right right and so now like when i preach teaching classes uh which i've done um have i done twice once in our church i can't remember at least once at least once like the first lesson is the platform's a grave like if you're not gonna go there to die don't go up on there and to think about just like this is all about serving jesus so we pray i pray before every sermon right his will his kingdom i'll even like It kind of seems ritualistic now, but like I'll give back the gifts. I'll say like Holy Spirit, any gifts you've given me to steward. You know, you can have them, use them as we as you see fit. And I do that. Um, I even do that during the week while I'm prepping. Yeah. So it's a constant thought in my head. Like I I don't just. That's not just a Sunday morning prayer. That's like every time I practice my sermon, I'm praying, praying that prayer, Mm -hmm. Um, because I recognize the tendency in my heart to become, you know, religiously linguistically justifying my pride right mm. um and i think that's and that's again so i don't know i can't i don't know these guys to say that that's their trap because, I, I really don't want to right? like assume more and given and just given like the moses story right where there were leaders of tens hundreds like legitimately god will raise up leaders over many thousands of people and yep. that's their assignment that's their gift totally. we, we, yeah. we talk about that right that's their limit yeah And so, like, I can't even thwart them for that or be mad for that because I think God raises those people up. I do agree that the status that gets attached, you know, some could argue, and I think you and I would agree on this, um, borders, if not crosses, anti-kingdom. Hmm. right like just not the vision i think of leadership that jesus presents no yeah to his disciples right that in the gentile world they lord it over them but in my in my kingdom first or last right And, and i think that's where things get tough because like even for me there's a tension right like you know the pastor gets a special parking spot yeah really right like like i understand but like is it needed right or you know we've kind of for a long time avoided even titles yeah right and just because i don't want to approach people you know as like hey i'm pastor mike and i recognize there's a there's a certain amount of like authority and just organizational clarity around that so we have adopted it now but like kind of reluctantly to be honest because like i just i really don't want to make anything more than what it is, and so that's where I would push back. Where it's like I recognize it, and I and I think maybe I have sympathy for some of these guys because I know, unchecked, my heart would be all over that. Yeah, right.
0: I yeah, totally. Like I I feel like that just speaks maybe just to the need. Well, one to have good leadership training, and two to have like also safeguards in place mm-hmm. to prevent that as well. Just because yeah, that is just where the human heart would go. I would like. I mean i think i still like in there's parts of me that want status and money and fame and everything like i think a lot of i think that probably everybody wants that on some level like or the respect of other people like that is just a thing humans crave so no one's really immune from it but i think like how would what do you make of like i know we've talked about this just like what you've done but even just like systems in place like um I think I, I've talked about, like, the pastor as CEO model before, mm-hmm. like, that that has been a thing. Um, I think, like, there is, I, I mean, I, there's actually an interview with, like, Driscoll and James McDonald, funny enough, that we talked about them, where they're talking about their approach to it, where, um, you know, they were saying that, like, oh, yeah, like, I don't preach at all my campuses, although I think, I think at Driscoll's, like, there, were, there was, like, a video campus, mm-hmm. and he was the main guy, but... Um, James McDonald was kind of saying like, you know, after I, after I die, like we won't air my sermons anymore. Like hopefully there'll be like new guys at all their Mm -hmm. campuses and they'll just be able to carry it on. And I think that has actually happened somewhat to an extent because Harvest actually has been able to continue even without James McDonald. So I think it
1: became more of a movement anyway, versus like a church. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think like, this is the tension of all of it, right? Is that with technology, you know technology breeds opportunity and danger right mm. and so like with instagram with all these with video right first off just to make sure we recognize it it's like this is the greatest opportunity to preach the gospel we've ever had yeah um and we do need to take advantage of that mm. and so like we can't not be on instagram we cannot be on video and like that's the tension i feel all the time as A communicator who apparently has opinions on the world. I'm preaching every week some kind of thing. Like, and I don't use. I've confessed. I don't use Instagram very well. I don't use YouTube at all. And do I feel like I should? I don't know. I feel attention. Like, why not? Like, it's there. Um. But then, yeah, does that make it all about me? And I've heard both sides. Like, um, I feel like it's good to raise up other faces and leaders and speakers to decentralize a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I've heard this argument. I think it's a good one in the sense of like, if God has gifted someone in preaching, teaching, right? Like, why would you not want to use that gifting as much as you can if it's going to be effective and fruitful, right? And so there's this tension. So like, um, you know, I sort of fall in the middle. (laughs) This is typical Mike. But like a guy like I've heard um in I don't remember what avenue it was, but Mark Clark from Village Church talk about that. Like he's a gifted communicator. It's kinda of his thing, right? So why would they not broadcast him to the different locations? It's kinda of like Yeah. He's God's gifted him, anointed him I to do that. that, right? I so think why that, I would, think that's how meeting houses right? too. A little bit. And, and when you get an excellent speaker at that caliber, yeah, like that's what you do. Yeah. I would argue like why like that 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 would be like, you know, you know like you know, let's use the Raptors, right? You got Kawhi Leonard. It's like, yeah, but we're only going to use him 50% of the time. It's like, yeah, no, like he's the best player. So like let, let, let him play. But that doesn't mean you don't have a good development team. You don't have good coaching yeah. staff. You don't have, you know, your, yeah. your six man, like, like you do all those other stuff. And so I do think both is key where it's like, if you, now here's the thing. If you're in a church where the gifting of the church is not necessarily in the preaching, then it's a different consideration, right? Mm-hmm. If At that point, if the pastor who is leading is like, I want my voice to be every, everywhere, then there's gotta be an awkward conversation. Like, man, you that's not your strength, right? We aren't building this church off of that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very rare to have that conversation because oftentimes, especially in small churches, right? Like the pastor does everything anyway. And most of these conversations really come down to what growing multi-campus churches, which yeah. are, out there but the average church is 75 people yeah right so it's not really even a conversation other than for these <clears throat> more successful yeah usually driven by strong communicators mm-hmm. right um and so right like but then the other model and like just to give some props there's a church in our area, kw called slate um and they got like i think they got like six or seven different preachers right yeah like, that's really impressive right and yeah. so because they have you know a couple services in one location they just they did the Elmira campus and yeah. so it's like if you preach there in the one morning I think then the next week you're down just, yeah like, you know, I
0: really like the way right? they do that yeah and and
1: so there's a huge mix and I think like I I've never talked to Brendan Emma, Brendan, Emma and Luke and, and Victoria about like why the model is I think I would argue to raise up leaders right so they can do more yeah and like they can expand other sites and yeah and and not feel like one guy has to do everything right and that's i think a beautiful model as well right and so like would mark clark do that probably not Mm -hmm. but there's different calling different assignment different and so that's where like when it comes to necessarily like church models it is i will always go essentially um, to the language we use at our church right The limitations calling assignment Mm -hmm. and then like what is that and i know for me because my proclivity, my one strength I think I do bring is the preaching side of it, that I would, I would lean towards the Mark Clark model a little bit just because I'm like, it's basically the only value that I think that I bring. That and going out for coffee with people, right? <laughs> so it's like, if you're gonna I, take that from you know, me, what else do I have here, I right? I do love
0: going out for coffee with um,
1: Mike. And, and so I know that's a little bit you know, caricatured, but like I do think that. Like that's I've come to the point where like, like Megan is better than me at systems and organization, right? Emily's better than me at like visuals and decor and you've experienced that like her eye for details more than I'm ever going to make it even some decision making she's discerning way more than I I'm not gonna tell Ivan how to sing because well as he says I am a person who really enjoys singing and then he just puts the period there it's like I know what you're saying to me Ivan right like I'm not gonna tell like even you how to do some of the like the graphic stuff because like i don't know i can tell you if i like it or not but like i can yeah. just recognize that my value is kind of this that where 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 it's at and and so i think that's where my attention will be is like i know this is like the one thing that i do the best at our church yeah so just let me do it right yeah. but that also includes the reason why i'm doing preaching classes because i want to raise up people who can be mm-hmm. good in good these ways in, right yep. Um because like even you know it's sort of morbid, but it's the classic question. Like if I die, I hope what we've built is not around my personality, nope. right? The vision of what we're trying to create, the way that we talk about discipleship and giftings and worship and our kind of theological nuance on some things. Like I hope that that is creating a community around it where it's like, I'm completely replaceable um, and as humbling as it is. And it's easy to say that now at hundred people, right? Once, if we, by the grace of God, ever get to a thousand people, would I be able to say, I can just walk away, right? Right now I can, right? And yeah. in, in, in a beautiful way. So that's where like, again, it's hard to read into these guys. I do think I'm like, the more I think about it, the more I pray about it for myself, right? Mm-hmm. The more I have conversation, I would, at this point in my life, right? I would question not morality, but motive yeah right like um why because even like and the thing is even if you have it it's fine but like why are you posting it it's like well just because it's fashion well fine but like you know it's going to cause your brother to stumble right and you know romans and corinthians where paul talks about the weak and the strong and eating and then the corinthians specifically what's about meat and idols and then in romans similar but paul goes on the language more of weak and strong brother and it's like if you know what you're doing is going to cause you to stumble. Like we don't get to use that freedom as a license for that. Like we have, like our Christian ethic goes one step further. It's not just, is this right or wrong? It's also, is this beneficial to the people around me? Yeah. It's always a communal ethic, which runs in the face of our individual culture. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why sometimes I don't post stuff. Cause I'm like, I can't control it obviously, but I'm, and I probably hyperthink it cause I tend to be guilt driven in some ways, but it's like, you know, if I post too much about the church, if people are going to think that that's, you know, all I'm about and going to make somehow they don't want to be part of the Jesus thing because I just po- like I just I can create all these scenarios and I get that. So I'm yeah. not saying it's a, it's possible, but when you can check your heart, right, like I heard one preacher say, like, you know, if, if really you're really all about fitness and health, why are you always posting photos of yourself half dressed on Instagram? Is it really to make much of like health? <laughs> no, it's or not. validation. Like like really, no, right? It's or it's like you know, are you, why are you always posting about your kids' awards? Are you proud, or are you like, look at my kids? Yeah, right. No. And it's a fine line. Right? That is,
0: yeah, that is the reason I don't post very much at all anymore. It was actually very out of character for me to like post about um, Tony Robbins the other day, but I was just very passionate about
1: well, but, but see that one i think is not about you that's a difference right it's mm-hmm. an information care, than opinion but like that's where i think again it's motive like why are you posting it why are you presenting yourself like we have to always think about how this affects other people that is the christian way yeah and so we can't just like go off and say well like i'm christian so i have liberty to do what i want so stop judging me well no you do and you don't and so for those pastors, they they are living at a level of responsibility I will never know. Well, I can say that now. I don't know. Maybe God will bless our church and we'll get there. But I'm pretty sure in Canada, there's never going to be a church that's 50,000 people. Right? And if God does it, praise the Lord. Right? So, I like, I don't know what the influence that feels like. I don't know what it means walking into a room of 6,000 people and, like, everything about you is being criticized every single minute and championed that's a weird world right it It is and maybe that's part of the reason why it's so hard for people to wrestle with it Mm -hmm. it's not maybe normal it's not meant to be kingdom it's not meant to be good for the human psyche right it's why kings a lot of them are psychopaths like in caesars right they're like nuts because i think that much power and that much influence and that much criticism and critique right praise and celebration right can maybe maybe sow some things into our soul that were never meant to be there that happened to a character on game of thrones recently oh don't even started <laughs> apparently the last season sucks so i'm happy about that ha um <laughs> told you, you told you waste time. all that time yeah. uh no but like so and that that's an interesting thing too just to think about right like maybe we were not never made for that much singular approach to to ministry especially but you know which is why i think the younger generation whether by pain, necessity, or learning, talk way more about team, mm-hmm. way more about dynamics. Is this like to why it seems like there's so many like Christian leadership books
0: and leadership podcasts out there nowadays because we've just like recognized this huge necessity or this huge failing or um, I is that think just the new hot trend? I don't know. I
1: think it's a hot trend. Yeah. Uh, and because for a long time, to be honest, and this is, you'll hear this like on Kerry Newhoff and guys like that, that like yeah. Christians didn't talk about leadership at all. So then there's this huge kind of push towards it. Yeah. Where it's like we all need to be leaders and then there's a push away. It's like, wait a second, that's not you know, we need Jesus, right? Kind of like yeah. we're too organizational, not spiritual enough.
0: Well you made you had us read a book one time, like a leadership book, and I just, you know, it was all about the
1: servant leader model. And, mm. and you know, I I think that's biblical. And I and... think but that's the thing I think we've actually come back on the leadership topic yeah. a little bit where it's a little bit more just honest and raw. It's not like and I think. There, I think I don't know why this is, but I think it's just been a generation where we realized, and this is just me observing church and being around. My dad was a pastor, and my grandpa was a pastor, and you see other churches, other pastors where the jack of all trades model just started failing. Like you just can't be everything to a church, and especially if you wanted to grow. And church growth models happen, and you know, like the tractional church in the '90s and early 2000s, and yeah. that and that bred kind of a CEO very much model of you know of leadership and then that became the model of church right you want to be a big church rick warren bill hybels those guys like do what they're doing and people jumped in like and they would go to different like i remember reading a book uh, by tim keller about um called center church and he gives this little story of how when they were starting to get big people would come to new york see their church be like okay you know we, we've tried the willow creek model now it's the redeemer model and just it just kept being models and models and models about all this different stuff where I think <laughs> it's not a LeCray lyric. <laughs> uh, and I think now it's like just coming back to more of like, okay, we need this. And this thing that it's interesting too, right? This is going in so weird places, but like those guys, like Judas Smith now and Carl Lenz, right? They're all, I'm pretty sure, 40, if not past 40. Like Rich Rokerson's a little bit younger, and I think Chad Veach on there is a little bit younger. Yeah, they're at, they're at least like. But I'm pretty 30s. sure Judas Smith just had his 40th this year. Yeah. And they have, happy birthday, man. Yeah. If you ever hear this, um, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, and so like they are coming to that like peak. They say I've heard right that like 40 to 50 is like your peak pastoring years. Yeah, I can see right? that. You're like pretty wise you're, you're mature you
0: cross-generational appeal like there's yeah, yeah
1: and and like you've you don't have to prove yourself anymore you are yeah. kind of like you find hopefully found your niche a little bit and you still have a
0: lot of energy still
1: yeah you still have that and so like it's they just say that that's so they're coming into that right yeah and so there'll probably be a little bit more of that you know i think like this will be the time where some of that Gets proven where it's like right,
0: like if it's working,
1: what's happening, yeah. and a lot of those, a lot of those guys are I think a little more open about team dynamics and mm-hmm. how much they do have to teams around, and I, I, mean, like I hope we do get better at this. But this is the thing. This is where I'm hearing about, it. and we don't experience this as our church. So, and it's simply because we're church plant, and yeah. like other than, Elmo and Jackie, who are like our, our couple, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna say our old couple, but they're our couple. Um, I think the next oldest person's 35 yeah right so like yeah. we are a very young church and yeah. so like having like kayla who's about 20 or mm-hmm. on the ops team you're 24 right like we have a very young leadership core where like i was talking to a pretty big church pastor this last week and like one of their targets for this year is to get 18 35 year old leaders because they don't have any wow because there's a, yeah. so and i've heard this so this so we're going to see four conference um in a couple of weeks yeah um, shout that out I'm we pumped. like it yeah um and uh, one of the questions for the conference was like, what are you dealing with the leadership crisis? How are you dealing with the leadership crisis? And I've heard this, like Kerry Newhoff talked about the leadership crisis. And it's like, there's this gap, you know, of like not having, cause Karen Newhoff's 50 something, right? That generation below him, I believe. So like even John Thompson, who's 40 something at C4, that generation below them, it's like, apparently there's this gap. There's this lack of leadership in the church. And you know, how do we deal with that? Where for us at our church, we don't have to deal with that. But the idea is like, once those guys are gone, mm-hmm. then what? Right. And will it all be just team-based? And, and even what, and that's why this, I bring that up simply because of the whole idea of like, why is there so much church leadership right now? It's, I think it's trying to be an anticipatory, like cure. We yeah. see this issue. You're being proactive now. Trying to be get people yeah, to understand yeah. leadership. Uh, which is why i actually really appreciate convergence mm-hmm. uh, john thompson's book dealing with spiritual gifts and recognizing mm-hmm. that stuff so it's yeah. like no actually you know what my leadership looks like this i'm i have this gifting the church i think and this is where it can thrive versus you know sure i can lead a church of two thousand people well who says you can right like yeah right now so creekside right ken taylor um they've made an announcement back months ago that he wants not wants but feels it's time to transition while he still got energy left and whatnot and depending on who they hire it could be like three to seven year process it's really interesting i'm really excited to watch how because in our city a lot of these churches are transitioning or just transition so steve fleming at Cornania, now he's the founding pastor and brian ferguson stepped up so they just went through this that process and like you know and ken was saying that like you know they have i think I think he he said to me like to about two thousand people last year is their average right, which is crazy like two thousand yeah, people really right big, yeah, um and like you don't go from a church of five hundred to two thousand like that is a huge gap if you're like a leader now maybe they will hire someone and just train them up and hopefully they'll find someone like um, pray that God you know, leads in the right direction but like that's a huge jump right it's not just like going from five hundred to six hundred it's like exponentially different mm-hmm. and so recognizing hey like maybe my limit yeah. Is 500 people? That's the best I can do in my own strength. And if I don't figure out how to change or structure or hire really well, I'm never gonna get back. like. So just being able to recognize some of that stuff, which I think is where convergence is so important as a model of ministry, where it's you know, essentially submitting to the kingdom of God in that way. Um, and that's where I think, like for us in my generation, so I'm 28. You know, I'm below. I'm below those guys, who tend to be on preacher sneakers, right? I'm kind of like the thing underneath them. But the thing I didn't have that they all had were really good, like, churches to grow up in, like, right. like, like, like their dad's church, where they got they got to see 30 years of faithful ministry, right? Uh, good opportunity to cut, you know, some of their teeth, as they say, in like youth ministry, young adult ministry, yeah, even like yeah. uh, Chad Veach. I don't know what exactly, I remember what church he came from, but doing youth and young adult ministry for so long, and then we're like, okay, I think I can now lead. And so they, they stepped out, kind of as generational growth happened, which I think... You know, and so I'm one underneath them, and so I was kind of the rebel and did church my own way then, right? And God had to correct me of that and bring me out of that. Uh, but that means I don't have some of the wisdom that they have, right? I have mm-hmm. maybe some of the more naiveties because I'm young and don't know better yet.
0: Which can be fun. Which can you be might fun. Going some cool directions. Right?
1: But so just recognizing that, I think the generations have, are going to self-correct. They're just different issues, right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't anticipate. Obviously, pastors are going to fail. As pastors from mm-hmm. now until Jesus comes back, but I don't anticipate, and this could just be me being very optimistic, um, that like that generation underneath the guys who have been following the last five or ten years, yeah. right? Those you know, fifty-five year olds. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to fall as frequently. Yeah. I think they we've been raised in a different culture, a different time. Um, we've been able to witness, because like like if if those guys right now are not putting new systems and new checks into place, then they are idiots, right? Straight up, which I know that they're not, right? Because I've, I've heard them talk about leadership and accountability and even some of the wisdom that they gave in their little leadership talks together. Like, it's just like, you, I know you know, so I'm assuming that they're doing that because they, again, I have I can give counsel on things that I don't implement in my own life. So it's possible, <laughs> I get that. But like being able to recognize that, so even for us, like we can see that mm-hmm. and say, okay, we know what, maybe, I feel that you know, as you do that maybe they got maybe there's a tension, um a temptation, better said, uh, towards this kind of fame model that's Instagram has just blown up and YouTube has blown up that okay, how do we correct then? How do we learn from our you know, predecessors in this way? Um Yeah, and it's just recognizing that. Right? So I think I think the church is in a really interesting spot right now. You know, I'm I'm sad. For all the negative stuff that's going on,
0: yeah, it's it's never you never feel good when something like that happens where a pastor falls because, like, there is collateral damage. Mm-hmm. People are gonna get hurt. People leave churches. Some people leave God because of it, and I think it's just the worst thing that could happen to a church. I mean, like, what what could be worse than that? Like, well,
1: especially when it's around. Like, I've actually been thinking about this, okay, uh, in and how it's like. The interesting thing to me, right, is people always say, I remember getting the ministry when I was younger, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> than I was now. And it was always like the big three why pastors fail, right, was always sex, money, and power. Yeah. Right? Sex, money, and power. Um, and it's interesting to me that, like, just because I'm doing church history right now, how, like, the early church, was essentially known for wild purity, lavish generosity, and servant leadership. Mm-hmm. So, what are the three big things that take you out? Sex, money, power. Well, the opposite of sex, the value of the kingdom is what? Wild purity, one woman for my rest of my life. Right, going protect that. Right, money. The answer to that, lavish generosity. It's not about money. It's all about giving away. Right. Mm-hmm. And then power, serving leadership—that's what I do. Cruciform yeah. life—I die. And how, like, the values of the kingdom literally go in opposition to what I was warned of as a young pastor—the temptations to take you out. And it's like if we would just live the kingdom life, which I don't know all the time, obviously. But that's why it's been so interesting—that like the values that we need to hold as pastors, as leaders, as Christians, right—are are the antidote, or the or, or like the grace is the antidote, correction, are the opposite values of what takes out ministers, what takes out pastors. And, and so it's like, really, that becomes a question for me, is, is my life then being filtered through that? Like, I can't, I, I, again, this is where I have a lot of grace for these guys. I can't, I can't think of my life in, in their space. I can't. Um, do I agree with some of the lavishness? No, straight up. I think this is unnecessary. I think, discipline of the faith in a pattern of the life of jesus is simplicity frugality mm-hmm. not poverty we've talked about that like i'm not about that at all but motivation um nonetheless i think if i'm not constantly going through the lens of opposing values opposing kingdoms who am might say anything about them right it, it really and so i've just been thinking about that a lot lately it's just how like getting back to, like, those core things, what we are known for, right, in, in just crazy generosity and crazy purity and crazy servanthood, right? Like, like, our God, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Like, how—like, I understand honor, that's typically the language that gets used, but, like, if that's Jesus washing the feet, right, like, how— who am I to expect to get driven around? I'll take it (laughs) but right it's like like why like why why do we build some of these status things into even ministry today when it's like the guy who started it all was like no let me wash your feet Mm -hmm. and then peter's like no lord and he's like if i don't then you're not gonna be clean right and like just the the kind of existential threat (laughs) a little bit right and i don't know i just been thinking about that a lot lately um maybe with all this going on but I i remember just driving home was it yesterday night actually I feel like I've been thinking, right? And that's when it all clicked to me, actually. You remember last night driving home? Um, and just, I was driving through Paris and whatnot. Paris, Ontario. Not France. Not big vacation. Right, not big vacation. Right? Um, and just like, you know, it's one of those sort of weird moments, sun setting, kind of nice, whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, and just this stuff came in. And I was like, because I've been thinking about the early church. And it's just like, these these issues that plague the modern world, which have always plagued human hearts how legitimately the upside down backwards kingdom is just like shoots each one of them in the heart, right? Power? No, we're servants. Money? No, we're generous. You know, sex? No, we're pure. And it's just like, I got to check my heart on all that. Like those are the vows I have to Even just those three alone, right? Just how am I lovingly serving people? How am I lavishly being generous to people? And how am I um, being pure for my wife, right? Like, protection is all in that and so i think i think that's where i would come at it too at the end of it be just like you know i'm not going to judge these guys i don't understand them at one level but i also don't agree with them totally um but make let that check my heart let that check me um and then that's true you feel the
0: urge to criticize probably the best the
1: most productive
0: use of that is to turn the mirror back on yourself i think it
1: helps plus again I'm going to believe, unlike a Tony Robbins, right, the evidence of their life. Like, I have seen Jesus in it. Like, I'm not going to deny that. I've seen. Like, I've yeah. been in the room, and I've heard their sermons, and th- there, it, it isn't purely what people make it out to be. Like, it is Jesus-centered, and he's in there. Um, and so it's just like, I'm going to believe that the Spirit of God is working, that they're not just some self-help guru, right? Yeah. Um, even when there's tendencies that way. But the lesson is when you gain that much influence because of messages that you speak um, publicly, the 10 or 12 people who actually know you might know you, but all those people don't, and all they see is your highlight. I think that's what messes people up, right? I have all these people out here, and especially because now we live in a world of like, just, you know, shut out the haters, like, yeah good, good good vibes only i'm only gonna accept credit like i'm not gonna deal with the criticisms right i know i know like these guys in the church world don't like don't live by that but the general pattern of culture right that we can get so in that that, that echo chamber of ourselves. that i think that's where we need to be careful right it's like tony robbins unchecked who's checking him yeah right like like And why
0: would he need to be checked
1: right and in in if we get to that space as leaders where it's like, I'm uncheckable, I'm unquestionable, which is some of the rumors around some of these bigger guys who have fallen lately. It's like, you can't, like, I'm the CEO of this church, I'm whatever, or you can't question me. It's like, then we have to wonder, you know, you know, wonder why, you know? And, and it was interesting today. I know this is conversations going to go in different directions, but I was listening to a podcast about scaling. And the guy said, he goes, he can walk into a, a team Church or not, right? It was about nonprofits, for profits, church world. And he's like, I can tell if they're a healthy team or not within five minutes. Um, obviously, that's probably a little bit hyperbole, but the point being, because he can go and observe like a board meeting, and he goes, If I can't tell who the most senior leader is in the room, that's a healthy organization. right? But if, but if I can tell who's going to get the last word, if I can tell where all the eyes are looking during a hard moment, then, you know, that's that's that is ultimately not gonna be a scalable ministry business operation. And I feel like that's what you need to strive for. Yeah. That no one can tell that, you know, I'm supposed to be like the teaching visionary guy. No one can tell that. Because in our discussion it's it's mutual, it's conversational, it's team based, it's dynamic, and we trust each other, right? That's the goal ideally, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that was just interesting just in, with this conversation that like, you know, at the end of the day, if, if when casual observing of dynamics of a team, you know, being able to look through like the glass wall of a board meeting or team meeting, whatever, and the leader stands out so much that probably is a marking of not just dysfunction of a team, but dysfunction of a person. Mm-hmm. And just be wary of that. That's what I have to think of. Like, Sometimes you need to have, obviously, decision makers and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's hard conversation. I get that. I'm not saying that's not needed, but I do think there is a value in recognizing that it's not really about me. That if I'm the value of the church or if I'm the voice of the church, if I'm the mind of the church, if I have the draw, the attention, the traction, right? then that's way too much about me. And we need to deal with that, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... That's how that sort of connects with me a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well, Mike, we didn't get to the Capital Punishment talk tonight. We've been we did not. We've put it off for about four episodes now. We just
1: keep talking about other things. We do. We're not avoiding it, No, I don't think. But.
0: We'll talk about it next time. I'm sorry,
1: guys. But look out for that. And currently, if you're interested, all oh, this will be past news at this point. It will be. That's okay. The Raptors are up right now. Oh, significantly so. Significantly. By 14, with 10 minutes to go. So... Let's do this. Very cool.
0: Well, I also want to just throw out a reminder before we go that um, we are going to be C3KW on June 2nd. Coming up fast. Yeah. And so we are figuring out some things with the podcast because if you go on iTunes right now, you'll obviously notice that the provider is Risen City Church. It's hosted on our website. So uh, we just got to figure out how we transition that over. So if you do see notice a disruption in... Uh, episodes coming out that's the reason why but um we will definitely be up and going um so shortly after the launch as soon as we can as soon as we can be but we'll, can. We, we will try to record every week in the meantime we'll give it our best shot have a good week guys